Hello, everybody. This is Sasha. Welcome to my podcast. And today I have an amazing guest with me. I have Ka I have Karen King here with me, who is she? She's a rock star for me. I mean, look at her. She has like this rock star vibe. She she does. Uh, she she's a coach. She works with sexuality, both with men and women. But she's also into this very embodied uh, movement and healing through the body through dancing. There is a there is a vibe of uh, power in her body that reminds me so much to a rock star. So for me, she's like the rock star coach. Welcome, welcome very much, Karen. <laughs> thank you, thank you for that lovely introduction, Sasha. It's great to to be here to connect with the outer world. I broke my three day shower boycott for this, so I'm looking forward to. Uh, it feels good to be clean and put some makeup on and like feel good. <laughs> I love that, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about something so fascinating. I I could just I could summarize that in dick pics, but there's so much more than that. But it all starts with the dick pic. <laughs> Let's talk about dick pics. <laughs> One of the things that I discovered um, the most when I started uh, uploading content um, about sexuality was that I got a lot of messages from men, right? And they started with the, hey, I have a question. And I was like, oh yes, welcome to my practice, to my virtual practice. He has a question. He's listening yeah. to my message and he has a question. Okay, yeah, I'm listening. Is my penis normal? And there was the dick pic, right? Like, uh, is it okay to masturbate every day? Dick pic, our video. And I was like, what's So, I, I know that this is not just happening to me. This is something that happens and that has like many, many layers, right? So we're going to be talking about some of these layers. There is much to discuss about this, but it's so important to talk about this because it triggers something very deep. It, trigger, it triggers our own wounds. So Karen made a beautiful video. <laughs> you have to watch it because she wears a penis in her head. It's the, the coolest thing ever about one of these experiences and i would really love to hear you uh how was this for you like how how did you feel when you started noticing this pattern so i'll give you um thank you um and i'll put the i'll put a link to the video in you know whatever we post on this but um it's a little long, I've, I'll probably change it, um, but there was a lot to say in it. So I'll give you a little background before I go into the story behind this whole video and what sparked it. Um, coming from a place of suffering a lot of abuse as a child by multiple male abusers, of course that's going to render some uh, issues <laughs> in life. Uh, and so early in my um, teen years, uh, I was experiencing a lot of just this deep desire to heal, to grow. And I didn't even understand what I needed to heal from because I learned a lot of messages through the abuse and through then my acting out as a teenager, trying to get love. Like I learned messages about my worth and 
what love was, what sex was. And some of the messages that I learned, and we don't even need to suffer abuse to get this message as women, was your worth, your value lies in your appearance, your body, how good you can look and how much you can please a man. Those are messages we start getting programmed with early on. Men have their messages and programming they get as well. So we're not the only ones suffering or, you know, dealing with that. But um, so that was very much ingrained in my head. And um, you and I were talking, I would sometimes knowing this and knowing that, that men have this weakness, a lot of men, not all, but like a lot of men just have this weakness for, um, sex and women and, um, knowing that I, that was one way I could feel safe and protected was to use it as a defense mechanism to control and have power over men. And so I acted out in ways, I just learned what my young developing mind tried to figure out on its own without any real wisdom or knowledge. I was still trying to assess things. So growing up and having, I had these stories in my head and my, what we will do throughout our lives is what our experiences are, whatever we experience, we will then create a story about it and we will continue to do things and create situations in our lives so that we keep confirming the story for ourselves. And that helps us stay in our tight little pattern of safety or whatever. So in my case, it was, I need to feel, in order to feel loved and safe, this, this shell um, and my ability to please a man, you know, has to, has to be intact. Like this is what keeps me safe and lovable. And so moving through that, I started seeing lots of confirmation that, you know, sort of, yes, that's where your value lies. No one's really interested in you and, uh, and what you, you know, what lights you up, what your soul uh, is all about and here for. So uh, I just kept confirming those stories for myself over time um, in my marriage experience in a lot of ways, um, in just so many ways. And so, um, when I got divorced and started dating again, I was seeing this pattern a lot in dating as well. And it, it, but it, it was at a place where I was ready to start dealing with it and start to create other stories. I didn't know that that's what I was doing at the time. Um, but I, I had my own stories that were growing at first, like, oh yes, I'm seeing most men just want to send you a dick pic or something, or they want to get right into it. But I started asking myself, like, what am I doing? What's in my energy? It's not that I'm consciously doing. None of this was conscious. And it's true for most of us. I'm not consciously doing anything to make men act this way towards me or to attract certain types of men into my life. And so started asking more and more of these questions and trying to heal those patterns. And what happens when we try to heal those patterns is that we will get more of the thing that we're trying to avoid will get more of that story trying to be created because it's the universe's way of saying, Oh, we love you so much. You've asked for something more for something better. We love you so much that we're giving you this wonderful opportunity to really work through your shit here. So we're going to throw it all at you now. 
People often will say, oh, I made an effort. I, I, you know, I made a decision. I was going to do A or B. And then all these things started happening and kept me down. No, that is, a, that is usually a sign that you are in the right place and that the universe is giving you opportunities to stop and say, okay, what just happened here? What have, where was, what am I contributing? What was, might've been in my energy that I can be more conscious about? And how can I handle this situation differently? So yeah. I was thinking, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. that, makes, uh, that, that makes me think a lot about something that um, pieces, pieces used to piss me off, that's the word. It used yeah. to piss me off a lot. Which uh-huh. is, I could complain about the, the pictures or the messages that I was getting. And then somebody else would tell me, hey, my experience is so different. I don't get men to send me these kind of pictures. They are so respectful. They are so compassionate. They are, and I was like, what on earth are you telling me that I am provoking this? And, and I know that I wasn't on a conscious level, but I was reaffirming the story in the back of my head. Uh, and that's what I hear you're saying. Like you had a story of being wounded by men, of being uh, used or seen as as uh, a, an object of gratification based on your looks, and then it's like you were repeating that story uh, unconsciously because you were not repeating that like oh yes I will look this way. But it was happening again. It was it was a pattern that was repeating itself. Right. And I had to choose men who would allow me to control them or disempower them with this. There are there are the kind of men that I really was wanting. Not that I never attracted a you know a, a that kind of guy, but like the majority of and, and sometimes when I would attract a man who would not allow me to who was not going to be controlled by that. I would reject him because I wasn't ready yet, you know, but I was getting little bits and pieces of what that looked like. So, yeah. Absolutely. And and what what I think now is that it's on two layers. It's on one layer. Of course, we cannot victim blame people, right? Like it's not like, oh, this is happening to you because you have uh, like the victim blaming. It's dangerous and it's spiritual bypassing. But on the other hand, it's like, yes. At the same time, becoming responsible of the kind of relationships we create. Like I acknowledge that I, when I started shifting my people-pleasing response to these kind of messages, I started getting less of them. When, when instead of it's like every time I would get a dick pic. Uh, I knew how it would start. I knew it was like, hey, can I ask you something? And it felt, and I felt that he doesn't want to ask something. Yeah. When, when they want to ask, <laughs> them, they just go for the question or they book a call or they, you know, they are serious. So it yeah. was like, mm. and then, but I was people pleasing because that's my pattern. So I was like, okay, yeah, what do you want to know? Oh, is it natural that I masturbate seven times a day looking at porn? Like, is it natural that I masturbate like this and they send you the video, right? And it's like, and I knew that would happen after the convert, after the first word, I knew that would happen. So what I made that became different was breaking the pattern. In the moment I felt that he wasn't really going to ask something, I just ignored. 
Like yeah. I just became somebody that would ignore people, or I would just add like I I will just answer questions through this uh, through this media, not on this other one, like through my discovery call or stuff like that. So I changed the pattern. I, it's not like I am blaming myself for whatever happens out there. Right. I am embracing the fact that I can do some things different, and that's what I'm hearing you are saying. Is that yes. Yes, it becomes about being more conscious of what you want to create and what ways might I be creating something I don't want. Again, so thank you for bringing that up because it is not, for anyone who's listening and might be saying, well, it doesn't change, and we haven't even gotten really into the conversation yet. Um, I'm just giving you background, but um, yeah, it doesn't change the fact that I, as much as they, because I could excuse away them, their behavior too. We're all responsible for one, how, you know, how we behave, how we treat others, but also how we treat ourselves and our level of consciousness in a situation. Because if we choose not to be conscious, we're not creating our experiences. It's happening to us instead. And, and all kinds of things could happen that we feel we have no control over, but we do get to choose. And the example is, one example is what happened with this gentleman who um, I wouldn't have called a gentleman at the time. <laughs> um, and again, we can all be good people and sometimes do stupid shit. So just because he, you know, like I had a few encounters with him. We were friends on Facebook, but I've never met him actually. And he was on um, my men's page, uh, my men's group. I have two private uh, Facebook groups called Sex on the Table. And, uh, <clears throat> and so um, he had made some comments before. So, uh, and, and again, a little, a little more backstory here is, I was getting a lot of experiences like this all of a sudden. And I was also doing some up-leveling of my, because when I decided to work with men, I did that because it was the scariest fucking thing I could imagine, right? The idea, I've spent a lot of time avoiding working with men because there was so much fear around them. And I didn't even realize that I had some good experiences with men being, you know, having a lot of male friends who were very protective, like brothers over me. And I am so grateful for um, them showing me the wonderful side of the masculine. Um, they really did a lot for, um, it's probably one of the reasons why I allowed myself to have the courage to go towards this work now um, because I saw lots of good. Um, and so um, where I just went blank because I got all warm and fuzzy about my brothers. <laughs> um, but um, so going back to, oh, there was a lot of, I was just having a lot of these experiences as I'm working through this, my own fears about working with men. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, uh, you froze for a second, I just wanted to make sure. Um, so in this process, um, I you know, was getting really annoyed and frustrated with some of the experiences I was having and then here comes another. And this, this guy um, 
sent me a message out of the blue on Facebook and was just like, just asking me questions. Like, and again, it came out of left field. It was just like, and he would do this now and then um, just show up all of a sudden and ask some really random question. And he was asking questions like, so what's your favorite position, you know, and uh, let me guess, you know, this is what I think it is. And, and I was just like, are you, you know, this part of me that wants to be seen and taken seriously in Mm. my work um, was like, are you kidding me? Like, come on. And my first instinct was to just ignore him, which sometimes can be, you know, a good thing to do, like not give it any, any more energy, you know, Um, but because of all this other stuff, and I wanted to process this. And I thought, it's not really fair. This was just what came to me in that moment. It's not really fair for me to write him off as a jerk because I had, I stopped and thought, I have a kind of a twisted sense of humor, right? And because I am openly and freely talking about sex on social media platforms and just in general, um, there may, I thought, you know, the guy maybe didn't mean any harm by that. I, he might see me as someone that he could just ask that to. And that because I have this twisted humor, and if you watch the video, you'll see there is some, definitely some twisted humor in there, um, that he could say that and like he would one of his buddies. And if we, it were in a different context, if we were all, a bunch of us were having dinner and started talking about sex and he said, hey, by the way, you know, what's everybody's favorite position, that would have been a completely different thing. So there are different contexts when that would not, or I might have even asked that same question on the Facebook thing. So it was just the context. And it was also my own experiences that I was having at that time, that made me take it somewhere in particular. And here's where I took it. I, I, as I started thinking about it, it occurred to me what was so upsetting about this was that I have spent my whole life healing from sexual trauma of all kinds and even other types of abuse from men. And I put blood, sweat, and tears, so much time, effort, money into trainings, counseling, books, I mean, you name it, and um, to try to not just heal for my own self, but so that I can not pass those wounds down to my daughters and so that I can help others who have been, because I understand and I know how devastating and crippling it can be, especially when it comes from childhood and you don't get the help, you don't have somebody that comes along while that brain is developing and saying, this never should have happened. You deserved protection and we're going to get you whatever you need now and know that you are going to be protected. Um, So not getting that, um, it takes a tremendous amount of effort and love for yourself and the work to continue to do it. It doesn't always have to be as hard and long and drawn out as we might think it is, but it does take some effort and courage to go towards it. And it took me, and still it's a lifelong process, 
Um, but there's been a lot of work. So I felt like he was shitting on all the work I've done to heal myself and to help others to heal and my life's mission, basically. Absolutely. I can relate to that so much because it's like feeling like we are not really being seen. Like, hey, I'm coming here with this purse of wisdom that has caused me a whole ton of work to get to because I was wounded, because I was down. I was inspired to heal through a lot of pain. Uh, and now I'm coming here with something that, that I know is so valuable. And you asked me, what's my favorite position? I mean, right. what, what are you seeing me like? Uh, and, and yeah. I, yeah. I can totally see you. Yeah, and so when I when I started thinking about all this a little bit, and actually when I when I decided to have a conversation with him about it, I wasn't fully clear about all of that. He actually helped me process it while having a conversation. This is how cool this went, and this is what I love about going towards something that might be awkward or uncomfortable or even painful and taking a risk that he might come back and be even more of a, let's say, jerk um, about it. And then what do I do with that, you know? So I sent him a message, like a voice message, so he could hear my tone because things get lost in text. And I was just like, dude, you can't be asking me stuff like that. I said it much like a friend would say, not like, you can't be asking. And I, I just was, like, look, I, you, I don't think you meant any harm by this, but I want you to understand that you are, you could be, when you do this, I don't know what you're trying to get from it. And I want to understand that. And so when you do this, you could be creating even deeper wounds and bigger gaps, bigger bridges to cross between men and women. There are already enough wounds here between us not just in romantic relationship but in general and so i want you to think about what you're you know what what you're putting out and he his first thing that he said was thank you for not assuming that i meant some kind of harm against you because i didn't mean that all and the more we talked and i would i was processing hearing what he was saying and i was like i'm still trying to figure out what i'm upset about the most like what at the core and that's where I came to that you know I felt like you were shitting on my life's work and as I was saying it I thought well that's really I can feel how over exaggerated that is he didn't even I didn't even need his confirmation I already knew that wasn't true so that's a good question we can ask ourselves when we're offended by somebody um, is you know like whatever conclusion we come to is it true is that really true? You know, asking powerful questions can really help us get to the bottom of what it is that upset us in the first place. And it usually has to do with our past stories and experiences. And so connecting all those dots and then hearing, I think he just was so thrilled to be able to talk about something that is a big part of his life, which is his sexuality in a platform where he could be was hoping to be accepted and be able to talk about it. And instead, he, it could have turned out that he got, I could have shamed him for it and said, you're a real asshole. And I can see now where he might've been a little surprised, like, 
well, wait, I thought I could talk about this with you. you. You made this whole Facebook page to have conversations around sex and sexuality in a way that isn't shaming or doesn't, you know, so I can see where he was just trying to, like he might with his buddies, um, hey, you know, like, let's, I just was curious. Um, and it didn't necessarily need to mean all these things about him devaluing my work. And the other conclusion that I came to was even if he had turned around and been, you know, an asshole about it or something, then it is still my work. It is still up to me to decide whether I'm going to allow that to mean that my work has been devalued in any way. And I, I had already decided I have, I have devalued my own work so many times just off of the opinions of others that I will not do that to myself anymore. I've worked, it's not even that I've worked too hard. I've worked very hard, but it means so much to me. And it's so powerful, this work that we do, that why would I, that I will protect it vigilantly and with so much love. That is my job. You know, I think that you're just addressing something that is so important to, to um, underline, which is that men don't really know how to talk about sexuality with women. No. Uh, that we have been raised in a culture that either shames them or, or shames us, women. Yeah. Uh, so it's like men can only talk about sex with women in a context of them being prostitutes or uh, in a puritanical way like they avoid the sexual conversation or they talk about it with with a woman who is a, a sexual worker and our work is so new in the sense of we are coming and breaking the taboo of the sexual conversation so loudly and so shamelessly that they don't really know how to react to it. It's, it's totally yeah, yeah. new, a, a new way of interaction. So what I'm seeing is that, especially in, in places, because I have seen that particularly from places where, where they are even more um, yeah, close to sexuality, where they are even more taboos about sexuality, they don't really know how to approach us in a respectful way because they have never had the chance of speaking about sex with a woman in a way that we can feel respectful because we haven't really painted the line on what is respectful and what is not. It's like, hey, she's telling me I can speak about sexuality freely, yet why is she offended if I ask if she already had uh, an orgasm or if she masturbated or if she had... And we are like, dude, because that's not inside of my boundaries. But it's like we haven't really set up the boundaries because this is new on so many layers. Right. What would happen if we just said, hey, I appreciate your, your, your willingness to have conversations, you know, but like I'm letting you know this is a boundary that, you know, you know, I'm just letting you know what my boundary is and, and you kind of crossed it a little bit, but like saying that from a place of not being offended, but not, and not shaming them for it because we're all trying to figure this out. 
Yeah. And what you said was really important because how lonely is it? I think that that very thing, men not, I mean, sex is such an integral part of our lives. Um, pleasure and sex, our sexuality, it affects everything we do. And so to not have to have been shamed around it for so many years through religion, through society, and to not feel that we can openly talk about it, especially with our own partners. How lonely is that for a man that to have um, a partner that he loves and not feel that he can discuss that those things with his own partner and may have to take those conversations elsewhere like the commercial sex industry or something or even the desires he may have men have this really innate primal instinct this sort of um not sort of <laughs> this um sort of fuck ravish uh instinct in them and that is a very natural thing and we as women can appreciate that very much but we don't talk openly about that and so it can make them feel uh, very afraid of that fuck ravish sort of instinct that they have because they don't want to express that in any way. Also, they are protectors. They long to, they, they will protect and look out for, care for the people they love. So those two don't feel like they fit together and, and it's almost something that they've learned to repress within them. And if I show that side of myself to my lover, to my partner, to someone I love, they might reject me or I might be afraid I might lose control and, and hurt them, you know? Um, and so where do they go with this, this primal instinct that they have within them to, uh, you know, honor that and to explore that and let that be expressed in a way that they, um, that where they can just accept that part of themselves and not be afraid of it, but embrace it is the word I'm looking for. You know, I have seen um, like both sides. Like I have seen men that were well-meaning, and I could see that they were well-meaning. And the moment in which I called their attention, like, "Hey, this is my boundary." They immediately changed. I remember this guy that um, he started just asking me daily questions like, hey, what about a threesome? I was doing this. And what do you think about doing this? And, you know, like, like things that seem uh, out of place at a certain point because it was just too much, too often. And it started seeming more like I want to turn you on instead of just real right. honest questions like, hey, have you ever been with a man that does this and the other? It's like, so the moment I said, dude, you're overstaying your welcome. This is yeah. not nice for me. I am not feeling comfortable answering these questions. That's he not apologized. Uh, I, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. Please understand. I was just trying to, 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 I was just having fun. I was just having this conversation. Okay, bye-bye. And he never, um, he, he never tries to approach me again in that kind of way. He was so respectful. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have also seen the other side, which is guys that, that are pushy, that they are more predatorial in their attitude. 
So I want to point that out because yes, we're understanding and we're trying to create a new conversation, one in which we understand our own wounds and see, hey, I have, I have a preconception about men and I am kind of creating a, a relationship with men that confirms that preconception. How can I change my behavior? Yes. That, that, that's one. But the other is there, there are actually men that are very predatorial in their behavior. And what I want to say to the people listening to the podcast is this is not about them, right? Like, like this, these things that we're saying about understanding them and hearing them and how lonely they feel. And that, that is not referring to predatorial behavior because that's something that we have to be very attentive to. Like if you feel uncomfortable, you don't have to be nobody's healer. <laughs> yes. Just step back. You don't have to be there for a person when there is something that is telling you that it's dangerous. And that, what you just said, something that is telling you, and this brings me back because I was going to kind of get to that. And I pre I'm, thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing that up because I would have been really mad at myself if I would have forgotten to mention that the whole point, like when we break it down, to healing the wounds and, and I, it's gotten clear to me that that is one thing that I am focused on right now that is one of the reasons why I started to want to do work with men was not just healing our own you know wounds that have the masculine and feminine wounds but the wounds between each other it really comes down to doing our own inner work and that means being able to hear our own intuition, that higher, that, that still small voice from your higher self or whatever it is that you believe that voice is coming from, from God, from the universe, um, to be able to trust that. Because while that same person who, who I, you know, uh, reached out to and had a conversation with somebody else may have done pretty much the same thing and i might have chosen to ignore them or report them or like respond in a million different ways depending on what my instincts told me about the person about and you know asking where am i at with this so knowing what your boundaries what is is what you need to feel safe what you need in any kind of way knowing what you need and giving yourself that first is the most important thing. We can't help heal wounds between ourselves and anyone else without that peace. We have to first do our own healing work. And um, that is really important so that we can be discerning about any situation we can have a formula we can have our boundaries oh okay well i have this boundary i never um you know go on a first date to some place where there aren't many people around or something maybe that's a boundary but maybe there's a circumstance where um you that's not a good example actually but <laughs> but you know what i'm saying like just having having certain boundaries and things and and knowing when you can tweak them a little bit knowing um when there may need to be an exception made in one way or another in something but not compromising yeah. so yeah and 
I think that there is something so important in here, which is like, you know the difference, right? Uh, uh, and here when you tell us your story, this guy was already in your group, he was a contact already, he was uh, like, he was not just any stranger jumping on you and telling you, hey baby, what's your, right. what's your favorite message? So, right. Like I want to, use, I want to share like a couple of of experiences that were very different one from the other. One was innocent, and the other ones was deeply manipulative. Yes. One was like this guy. Uh, we were talking after a retreat in which we had been like naked and singing and dancing. So we were, we, I met with these other girls after this retreat. Mm -hmm. in um, in the airport in the airport bar and we were talking about the experience i was finished and they were going to start their experience it was like in in the in between and so i was telling them how wonderful it was and everything and i noticed this guy at the bar looking at us with a huge smile and he gave me a look like Mm -hmm. You like the D. And yeah. it was so funny because it was like, dude, this was not about you. But, but I thought it was cute and funny and innocent and mm -hmm. inappropriate in the sense of he was like thinking that our sexuality was about him and it wasn't about him. It was about us celebrating as women. But I could see him with, with like understanding, right? And cuteness. Like, oh. They, the guy is just excited because he's seen a bunch of beautiful women speaking freely about being naked in the beach. Of course, he, he's having like fantasies and, and thinks about the most amazing things in the world. I mean, that was for me very innocent of him. And the other experience was this guy that approached me and started going like, uh, I am addicted to porn, please help me. Yeah, sure, of, of course, look, these are the, the cost of my services, uh, or these are the books that I recommend you, because uh, I saw that he wasn't from a, uh, he, he was from a country with um, less resources, with less money, so I could see that, and I said, hey, listen, these are the free resources that I can offer you. There are these and these books. Like I sent him a list of resources, uh, of books, videos, uh, TED talks, uh, issues. Like this is, yep. this, this is the best place to start. But I am, I am desperate. I need help. Okay. All I can tell you is relax. You know, I gave him like a, a, a paragraph or two of very gentle advice just to keep him going into that direction mm -hmm. then he went back like it's your fault that i am doing this and he started sending me pictures of his penis you know? like mm -hmm. like i have this this because of you because you don't want to coach me and it was like Dude, i am giving you like all that i can for free and you're getting angry at me and sending me your penis as a response so right. Of course, I blocked him because he was not looking for help. He was like really yes. just being, being in his anger. So what I noticed the difference was that was that one was actually like curious about the sexual energy that these women were displaying, and, and that there was just like this curiosity, and the other was trying to manipulate me 
into feeling guilty for his issue and trying to get something from me in this case free coaching or nude pictures because sometimes they ask for nude pictures or right. it's like he was trying to be manipulative into getting the result he wanted to get and using his sexuality as a way of making me feel guilty like when i saw his penis it was well, I, well the picture because luckily it was blurred but when i saw he, his picture it was meant to be an intimidation weapon like, like look at what you made me do and right right what a nerd <laughs> so th those for me are like very dif very diametrally different aspects of men one is one that can take a boundary that is innocent that that it's trying to learn how to have a relationship with women and the other is just deep into his wounds. It's just dealing with his own pain and he won't take my advice or my anything in consideration. Right, not coachable at all and not wanting to be, just needing to be in his manipulative pattern can keep confirming the stories he's trying to confirm. And, and so again, just that's why that inner work that we do for ourselves um, so that we can, again, discern and even ask ourselves, you know, again, some powerful questions about, you know, what we're, what we want to, what we want to create. And so that, that inner work that we do changes everything for ourselves and it doesn't change it all overnight. Again, we'll go through when we do that inner work and decide what we want to create, we get these obstacles i don't know if i like to call them obstacles they're again opportunities out of love um for us to work through our shit you know so that we can create more of what we do want and so and allowing another thing is that when we get caught up in our emotions around it then it's harder for us to let go, but allowing people to be wherever they are and not, um, you know, it would be, it would be much more difficult if you're a rescuer and that has been your pattern for somebody like that guy to really want to help him, even though you may know that he's manipulating and saying things that are ridiculous. Part of you may know that, but feel responsible some way as a coach wanting to help people and uh, or maybe even wanting to i have made the mistake before of accommodating too much um in the past from thinking that was making me professional uh -huh. like oh no i don't have to call you back if i know that you if i already know from what you've said in your message that you really are not interested in coaching you're interested in something else that doesn't mean i have to call you back I'm showing you the same amount of respect you're showing me, but at the same time, I'm not going to waste my time on somebody. I don't have to do this or this, you know, just because I'm here to help people. I'm here to help people who want to be helped. And so it, again, it comes back into that taking care of ourselves and so that we can make the best choices for ourselves as possible and knowing that um other people can be wherever they're at in their process and it doesn't have to mean anything about us yes i love yeah. and i think that that applies of course to coaches 
but to everybody because we, we go through the world like believing that um that we have to heal men right or that or that men proving all men are the same or proving that it's just we are repeating the pattern when all we need to do is go back into our selves and from there creating different relationships yeah yeah the magic is that when we heal ourselves we heal others too through our own healing work and then when when we're walking around i always think uh are you like uh the the peanuts like charlie brown that cartoon from back in the day um pig pen he used to walk around all the time with this cloud of dirt around him and filth and it's like if we walk around, if we don't shower like I didn't for the last couple of days, if I continued on with that pattern, like a couple of days, no big deal, right? Especially if I'm social, socially distancing, quarantine. But, but over time, if I choose day in, day out not to shower, that is going to start affecting other people around me, right? If I go to the grocery store or I have to be on a busy in an elevator or a busy subway with you you're going to be affected by that now in a negative way right and so eventually i may start finding that i'm isolated and no one wants to come near me because i'm not taking the time to clean myself up and it is a similar thing with us not doing the work even if we don't mean to do any harm, even if we don't mean anything by it, when we're not doing our own work and our own process, we will affect and hurt other people from an unconscious place, but we will negatively affect people with our stuff that we have not healed. So those, those healing those wounds is really about healing our own. And then we can meet someone else from a much more loving and empowered place in that healing process and hold the space for them. And I think that's one of the things about where, where in this culture right now, there is no one, there are very few places that are holding the space for men so that they can either heal their wounds, lots of men walking around with trauma and have nowhere safe to take it because our culture has said to them, you're supposed to be born empowered. Like you were just supposed to be born empowered. And if you ask for empowerment, if you ask for help in that, then that means you're not a man. That means you're weak. That means all kinds of things, right? And they go through life feeling like there's nowhere safe for them to take that or their desire for connection and nurturing. You're allowed to men, you're allowed to want power and you're allowed to want, you know, um, control you're allowed to want sex all the sex you can have disconnected or connect you know whatever you're allowed to want food and shelter all those things beer <laughs> but the moment you ask for nurturing or healing you are no longer a man to us and women can part we participate in that patriarchal mindset and we've made it very we don't do it most of us don't do it consciously either but there has been a there that has been something that i've seen in this culture that does not allow a safe space for men to explore who they truly are and they repress a lot of things that are innately beautiful about them 
because they're either they become afraid of it or society says it's a, it's a it's a flaw that you have and they don't know what to do with it and so they repress it and there is great danger in that kind of repression that's so true and that's one of the saddest parts i mean to see beautiful men holding back from using the power of their beautiful hearts of their beautiful presence because they have been taught to disengage from that or even creating very painful relationships with women because they feel like they have to fit into a pattern like I have seen that a lot, like these men that have a beautiful partner that they love, that they adore, but they are not feeling like their partner is welcome by the, the structure, the society, that, that it should be welcome, welcoming them. And therefore they start like distancing themselves from these partners, distancing from these relationships. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I often think about the how lonely that must be for a lot of men and how cyclical that pattern can be of now I'm lonely um, and now I'm still repressing these parts of myself or only showing up, showing them in places where I don't, maybe don't really, that's not where I want to sh really show and express that, but it's the only place I know to do it. Um, and just the, the pattern of loneliness and how that can turn into other things like addiction and even suicide and so many other things. And it is a tragic thing for any human being, man or woman, to go through this life not being able to celebrate the essence of who they are. That... And when you see a person who is able to do that, when you see a person who can celebrate everything that they are, whether they're man or woman, I celebrate being a man. I celebrate what it is to be a woman. I am embracing all of that. I'm embracing my gifts. I'm, I'm celebrating who, you know, just everything about me when the world just so much wants us to be, always knowing there's something wrong with us. We're not enough so that we can go out and buy that thing that will make us enough, all of that. You know, when we see people who are just embracing the essence, the truest essence of who they are and living authentically through their passion, through just all their beauty, all their glory, that inspires people, whether they know it or not. Well, two things will happen. People will either be drawn to them and be like, I want what you have or they will run for the freaking hills because they want that too. We all want that, but it stirs up too much within them and they don't, it's overwhelming and they just, they run or they go, I hate that person. I don't like that person at all. I don't know what it is, but they, <laughs> they win me out. They're weird. They're, they'll find anything wrong with them to, not be stirred and that's our job our job here is to stir people up we're not doing it to be assholes we're doing it because something in me stirs something in you and it could be something you want to have more of it's often something you already have and you don't see it 
and you see it in me, but you can't see it in yourself. And so you're either delighted by it, or again, you're scared shitless of it. And we do these things, or we, we, we fall in love with somebody and all of our insecurities come up, all our old stories come up saying, here I am, it's time for you to do some more work. That's what the whole process, again, doing that inner work. And that's the beauty of people. The people who stir us up the most, who have hurt us the most in our lives are usually our greatest angels. And if we see it that way. I just want to, um, to mention something when you say our inner work, because for us, that is a common term. Yeah. Uh, it's something that we're very used to doing. Uh, and many people have been listening to that word but don't really know what that means what is inner work uh how could you could you identify like okay i am working on myself like what i know that people that have never done that can find that to be particularly weird so yeah. like what does it mean to work on yourself uh, for me personally and i would love to hear what the, what it means for you for me, it means asking the right questions. Questioning what's my motivation, what's underneath, and then what's underneath, and then what's underneath. Just that, that question for me means everything. Because when I learn to listen what's underneath and to hear that and to validate that, I can actually start making, uh, like following the right direction. The, uh, like what's underneath oh my fear what's underneath my fear world there is anger what's underneath my anger the need to be accepted and loved oh, okay so that's my need i want to be accepted and loved. okay i can move from there just asking what's on what am i doing that from and what's underneath what what does inner work mean for you there's a very similar, and thank you for bringing that up because yes, sometimes I take for granted that people just know what that is. And many of us, and there are days you and I were talking about this. I was laying there yesterday, like just not even know it, like feeling like, oh, I could do a practice. I could do this. I could meditate. I could do, but I just thought, I don't feel like all I want to do right now is just lay here and be quiet and listen, you know? And so we could have lots of different things in our toolbox um, but it's also knowing what you need right now and honoring it. So thank you for bringing that up. So I think that is very important. Asking yourself powerful questions. If that's all you did and whether it's taking a process of doing that through a meditation and feeling it in your body and saying what's underneath, what's underneath of that, what's underneath of that and keep going down deep until you get to the core of what, what it is or journaling Sometimes journaling can be really powerful for people to kind of bypass the subconscious mind that likes to throw wrenches in or get really clever about um, tricking our minds to think something else. Um, so there's, and, and being present in my body, I did not realize until I started learning more about trauma through my own healing, how we carry trauma but uh, also stress and heartaches and things like that our old stories and even things passed down to us from our mothers our fathers our grandparents and so forth um, we're carrying around old bones of things that um, get stored in our bodies so 
for me, dancing, moving, or just taking a meditation and saying, where am I feeling this in my body? Like what, what sensations am I feeling? What do those sensations have to teach me? What are they here to tell me? What's, uh, so diving into the body is really powerful. Breath work, things like that. And, there's t- and that's the work that we do is help people, give people practices, whether it's breath work, whether it's having a conversation with your shadow. Some, and when I say shadow, I mean these dark parts of ourselves that we prefer not to deal with, our fear, our shame having conversations with them. What does our, rather than trying to fight them, our culture says, fight the fear, destroy, crush your fear. That just keeps you at war with yourself because our fear and all of those shadowy parts of us, they're there in all of us. And when we ignore them, it's like a little child who wants your attention. It's going to keep coming at you. Yeah. And it might then decide it's going to throw itself downstairs if that's what it has to do to get your attention. You know, like it's going to, it might get more intense. So um, we would prefer to ignore that and pretend, or we believe that our emotions are going to overtake us in some way when they are simply emotions and they will not kill us. We have to remind ourselves and, and, be in a space where we can remind ourselves i'm safe right now i my door is locked i have a roof over my head there's food in my belly i am safe i'm not reliving something that happened in the past in this moment i am safe and then allowing yourself to feel what it is that you're feeling and naming it naming it yeah and because I have yeah. seen people that have been like meditators for years or, or they are like deep light workers, but they have never gone inside to ask themselves what is underneath, what emotion they are feeling. And then, then they start projecting on others what they are, what they are feeling, what their, their truth, they are projecting that on others. So I think it's, for, for me, the most important aspect is going back inside and asking yourself powerful questions and, and then moving through your body because your body knows your body knows your body is the wisdom there there is wisdom in there it just needs to be listened to thank you for saying that and that is where i think you know our jobs as coach the work coaches the work we do there are times even when you are in practice when you have been doing the work where I just had a moment the other day where I needed a coach, you know, like, and we all just because we're coaches doesn't mean we know the value of coaching. And so having someone to help guide you through those processes and the times when you feel overwhelmed and think, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what to do for myself. Right. I don't know how to go into my body. I can't sit for more than 30 seconds without all of a sudden thinking about something else or wanting to get up because it's hard for some people to sit with themselves. So starting, you know, giving them bite-sized things that they can start with and go and moving from there and then having someone not just to hold you accountable, but also to cheer you on and say, there's no right or wrong way to do this. You're okay, you know, and I see you in your process and I see you making progress when you don't see it. 
and yes and being seen and witnessed by another human in our process to sometimes just to talk about something that we're feeling or experiencing knowing that we are not alone in it it makes that burden feel so much lighter to have just shared that with someone else and know that they see us in it there's no judgment we can be vulnerable and know that we're still safe so that is the work of a coach that can be really invaluable to people trying to go through a process or just trying to up level their lives and create more of what they actually want i have reached out many times in my life saying i don't know why i don't know how to get out of my own way but i know where i want to be i know the steps i want to take i don't know how to get out of my own way can you help me I think help is just one of the biggest signs of wisdom just yes. when ourselves to to be held when we need to be held especially in a moment like this like always but especially in a moment like this being able to rely on each other that's so important right we never needed it more and so yes being able to ask for help and to let ourselves receive it without beating the shit out of ourselves for it in the first place or receiving it, but shaming ourselves the whole way with what we've received. Thank you, you for know. saying that because yes, it's such a, such an easy tendency. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for this conversation. This Thank you. So amazing. And I'm looking for, I mean, we could go on just for hours. <laughs> I, I know. Um, yeah, thank you so much for this. Thank you. Thank you. Having you uh, in future occasions in the podcast, it would be beautiful. I would love that. It is always a pleasure and a joy talking with you, Sasha. I love the work that you're doing, and I love the fact that we were brought together through this, this coaching journey. Me too. Uh, everybody, just uh, I will be leaving uh, Karen's page and her Facebook groups down below in the in the. Um, description so that you can follow her awesome and i'll put a link to the video that we talked about in there if anybody wants to check it out and uh thank you again and i just i'm sending everybody love out there be well yes, be 